service tonight, I want to talk about the spirit of rejection. The spirit of rejection. And I want to deal with this at an in-depth level because I really do feel in my heart that there is so much of what we do in our lives that is influenced by the fear of rejection. When we are growing up and we do not have necessary things in the home, God knew what he was doing um, when he made us. God knew what he, he was doing when he um, structured and ordered things as it re- relates to creation. God knew what he was doing um, from the beginning. I mean, this is God we're talking about, and there are certain essentials that every person needs in their life in order for them to feel a certain way about themselves. You, you cannot love anybody correctly if you don't love yourself correctly. Amen, somebody. And learning to love ourselves is the key to doing relationships right. However, when if you're anything like me, I'm, um, I've, I've shared, if you've read my book or any of the things that um, sermons that I've taught, speaking of my upbringing, I grew up without a father. And just before we get into this, I just want to share just a quick story um, that maybe you can identify with at some point or relate with. Um, I'll never forget, I was about 9 to 11, I don't have the exact um, day, but it's somewhere in that ballpark, where my mom and my dad finally come to us and said they're getting a divorce. Um, When I was born, my mom and my dad was getting along, my older brother, Joey, um, he died in crib death, and after he died, my mom said dad was never the same. He woke up, and you're grabbing this little baby, this infant, and he's completely lifeless. And my dad, uh, who through generations of generations have struggled with alcohol and alcoholism and those type of things, gave it up when he came to Christ. But when that hit, that type of trauma ignited every reason that he had to continue in that thing. So he started to become... Um, given, you know, access to the enemy through that and just kind of lost all hope to live. Well, as a result, the marriage went down and they started talking about divorce and it scared us to death because no kid wants to see mom and dad separate. It doesn't matter to the kid whose fault it is. They just want to fix it. Now watch this. Oftentimes, oftentimes, are you all with me tonight here? Okay, oftentimes when that happens, when we are young, what we do as children, because we don't have the, the knowledge and the understanding that we have when we're older, what we do as kids is we start taking upon ourselves to try to fix that. And when it doesn't work out, we blame ourselves. And this is something that I did. And I'll never forget, I come home from school, I was telling everybody at my school in Battle Creek, I said, yeah, dad's come to get, we're going to the lake. How many know anything about the lake? I didn't, we didn't have money to go to a pool. We didn't know nobody with a pool. The lake was it. And so we was going to go to the lake. Dad was going to get me, and he had this old Ford truck. And it was blue, and the way our house was, we, we had a porch there, and you could see there was a hill that goes over. And what I was doing is I was sitting outside. He was supposed to be there at 530 to pick me up. I was sitting outside waiting for Dad to come, and every truck that went over the hill I mean, I'm just looking. Is it blue? Is it blue? There he is. There he is. He's coming to get me. I just wanted to be with my dad. And it was more than going to the lake. It said to me that dad's not going to abandon me. And sure enough, 
5.30 goes by, 6.30 goes by, 7.30, it's starting to get dark. And then all of a sudden, my mom comes out, she says, they used to call me Teener when I was young. Y'all don't call me Teener. Uh, yeah. Teener. No, not Tina, Teener. Teener Turner. So, so, so what happened was, my mom comes out, it's getting dark, and she says, he's not coming, baby. And I said, no, just let me stay. Give me a half, half hour. He still might come, Mom. That half hour felt like eternity because what it did is it ripped out of my heart every bit of hope that I had. And I'm a kid. All you can do is bury it. And when you bury things, they're still getting access to the driver's seat. You just don't know it. They still have access to decision-making. To feelings, to emotions, to perceptions, self-perception especially. And he never came. That rejection started so many cycles in my life that I would have to go through for the rest of my life at this point to where I now have to be conscious about how I feel, and I have sometimes I feel something, and then I have to stop and pull myself back and say, Wait a minute, man, that ain't what the word says. Don't feel that, and I have to check it because I have to make sure I'm operating. You know, where the Bible says, God is not giving you the spirit of what? But power, love, discipline. That's the word sound mind in the Greek means discipline. Why discipline though? Because it takes discipline. I can tell you that God's not giving you fear, but without discipline, you're not going to operate in power and love. God doesn't just come in and possess you with power and love. Sometimes you have to be aware that this is this thought I'm having is coming from fear. How do you know? Because you're trying to control an outcome. The people who try to control every detail have trust issues. Why? Because at some level they was rejected. At some level they was rejected. And it started something in my life to where I could be doing fine. And then all of a sudden it was almost like you're almost um, two people, two personalities to where you wake up one day and you're fine. And then about three or four o'clock something will happen and then bam, you're, just a, you're in a whole other frame of thinking. And that stuff is coming up. And what I learned a lot of times, when that stuff manifests, when you start feeling that old thing that's manifestingly coming up in your life, you're like, where is this coming from? Don't always think it's the enemy. A lot of times the Holy Spirit will stir it up to get rid of it. You'll never conquer what you will not confront. It's okay? And so I want to be tender with this tonight because this is a topic that, that everybody deals with. And so I want to talk about the spirit of rejection and what that looks like. So rejection itself doesn't hurt if expectation is not in place. What makes rejection what it is is expectation. When you expect to be accepted and then you're rejected, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's the expectation that gets us. Where does the expectation come from? Well, it doesn't come from somebody telling you they're going to love you. 
The expectation comes from the order that God has put in you. When God touches something, God is divine order. And when he touches you, he aligns your affections to want what is healthy. You start to crave what is structure in order as, is, as God sees it. And what happens is you'll jump into a situation with those expectations that have been cultivated by the heart of God. And then when they do not happen, that's when you start to question everything. Most people would rather live in the shadow than come out into the light just because they don't want to be rejected. Most people self-sabotage because they are under the tyranny of rejection. It's a terrible master. It's a terrible master. It'll keep you from pursuing things you're meant to accomplish in your life simply because you're still believing the lie of a situation you walked through. And because they rejected you, you think everybody else is going to reject you. God has done more with rejected people than he ever did with celebrated people. You need to hear that. God has done more with people who have been rejected than he's ever done with people who have been celebrated. It's his nature. Do you realize that we live in a world that does not want truth? They will go over and backwards and do everything they can to try to avoid what God is trying to get to them. We will defend our flesh until the last drop of strength. Y'all hear me tonight? We will defend our way of thinking until our last thought. We will do everything we can to make sure that our self, our strength, our wisdom, our whatever it is that is connected to us lives. Because that's the only person you think you can trust is you. And I'm telling you, you've been more of an enemy to you than anybody ever has. Listen to me. You've been a bigger enemy to your purpose than anybody that you think is your enemy. Come on now. If God be before us, who can be against us? It's a question mark at the end of that. The answer is you. The answer is you. Before you get to a devil, man, you got to look at you in the face. God, teach me to love me. I keep putting myself in stupid situations over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Teach me to love me. I wouldn't do that to somebody else. Why do I keep doing it to me? Because you don't love you. You don't love you the right way. You love you the way you've been taught to love you. You was rejected, therefore you reject yourself. And you're living life from this tyranny, this, this model that is rooted in fear. And God does not give you that spirit. That doesn't come from him. This is why I, I get very, very, very passionate um, and almost an anger that when I see preachers try to use the Bible with a fear-based theology to try to persuade people to do anything. Listen, well, if you just tell them that if they don't do this, they're going to burn to hell. They'll get it together. No, they're not. They're, 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 they're playing house with you. That's not real change. You can't get to heaven by running from hell. 
Come on now. You get to heaven by running to Jesus. It's okay. See, I'm I'm a a new covenant grace-based teacher. And I love the Lord with all my heart. Had I not preached grace, my church would be 15 15 times the size it is right now. Because the majority of the body of Christ don't understand the new covenant. They don't understand it. And it feels crazy to them when they start being challenged by these paradigms that the Bible says is present-day truth. It's present-day truth. I was teaching fear stuff and, and all this other stuff that, that, that's just not, it don't work. <laughs> I'd have a bigger church, but it'd be less heavy. I learned a long time ago, God don't count, he weighs. Amen, somebody. So let's get in this. Y'all ready? Genesis 29, I know we already said a lot. Genesis 29, 16 through 35. Look here. Let's read. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel. I need you to get that, though. The Old Testament is filled with pictures, type and shadows, metaphors. The actual word there in this translation, it don't say it when it says her eyes are weak. She was cross-eyed. It literally in other translations says she was cross-eyed. Now, if you're thinking about just the eye condition here, you're missing the revelation. She's cross-eyed. Everything in the life of the believer should be filtered through the cross. Everything you see, everything you interpret, should always be cross-eyed. I need you to see this. Come on, somebody. You should be cross-eyed in everything that you see. It changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. Once you get that revelation of denying yourself and taking up your cross, it changes everything. You quit living for your own self all the time. I love how Paul said to the Corinth church, he got a letter while he was in jail and it was bragging about how much they love each other. He said, I'll be there. He said, I'm going to come and when I come, I'm going to test the sincerity of your love. By the way, you prefer your brother over yourself. You talk a good game, you write a good letter, but let me see what's actually real when I get there. Because a lot of people say they love you, but they're still looking out for them. You want to know why God can't promote you right now? Because you all about you. Why would he promote you to an area of favor when you're going to make everything about that favor all about you and how you look? Favor is always something God gives people to show his kingdom off. You know why some of us are on the platforms that we desire? You're not ready. It's that simple. You're not ready. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But we often, we often get anxious about being at a place, but we don't have the discipline to be at that place. Amen. Everybody say, be cross-eyed. So watch. Here goes Leah. Watch this. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. 
Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Isn't that crazy that you can test your love by the exhaustion and how quick you feel it? You want to measure how much you love? Test how tired you get. I, I, I don't know if we caught that one. He's saying that he served seven years and it felt like days. That means when you love somebody, you don't get weary that quick. Because you serve with endurance. And Rachel must have been fine. Seven years, a long time. Man, that girl better be fine. Huh? For Come on, somebody. But it felt like nothing. Because he loved her. Oftentimes, exhaustion comes from a lack of love. When you're doing something from another foundation than love, weariness is the fruit. (laughs) That's good. Weariness is the fruit. Watch this. Let's continue. My God. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my time is completed. That I may go into her. Man, that's just crazy to think about. Right? How are you going to tell her pops? Like, give her to me. I'm going into her. What, sir? Man, keep that in the dark. He said, I put in time for this. <laughs> sir. Listen, them Jews was cutthroat. So let's continue. <laughs> if I'd have said that to Mr. Parker, y'all, you wouldn't have had a pastor right now. <laughs> Mr. Parker, I love that woman. Give her to me so that I. So that I may take her to lunch. You know, Mr. Parker was big in the day. So let's continue. Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went in to her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. Now, before everyone's like, man, how you know it wasn't Leah? Listen, they didn't have electricity back in the day. The man was drunk with a candle. That's even if they had a candle. So it's highly possible for this to have taken place. All right, so continue. Listen, Laban wasn't no dummy, guys. He had a party for a reason. He knew he was going to sneak Leah in there. Absolutely. But I don't know why Jacob, how he could be mad. He just deceived his brother. He saw. He's just reaping what he sowed. (laughs) Isn't it just like people that's born of deception to get mad when they're deceived? Isn't that crazy? How you been lying your whole doggone life and you mad because somebody lied to you? Like you have a standard. Like you have a standard. You are a liar. Well, you know how we used to say you a whole lie. Not a half of one. You is a, the entire lie. That's all you. Right? And they get mad. <laughs> we typically hate versions of ourselves. You know you don't love yourself if you meet somebody just like you and you struggle with the relationship. 
man. <laughs> I don't like them. They just like you, sir. <laughs> Let's continue. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? But Laban said, it is not the See, practice. See, this is the other thing that's amazing about deception. It's never seen in the dark. This is why people avoid the light. Because it's only in the light that God will expose the deceptions of our hearts. So watch this. Look at what he says. Laban said. But Laban said, it is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also for the service which you shall serve with me for another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Now, you need to know this. Let me just make sure you guys know the context. He didn't serve 14 years for Rachel. He served seven in a week. He got Rachel right there. He just had, he just owed seven more years. But he was working from what he wanted, not for it. In In the new covenant, we work from victory, not for it. We work from righteousness, not for it. Amen, somebody. So watch this. Watch. And he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as his wife. Laban also gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as her maid. So Jacob went in to Rachel also. And indeed, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban for another seven years. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Right here, guys. And he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. I need you to see this. Leah, the cross-eyed, was unloved. Can you imagine what it felt like, just for a second, to be her? For the father to say, hey, get in the tent now. (laughs) He's nice and toasted. Get him in there. And she's laying there. Can you, I just, I don't mean to be graphic. But can you imagine her going through the process of hearing this man served seven years? I'm sure he has some stuff on his mind to say to Rachel that night. And he's believing he's speaking to Rachel and she has to pretend that she's Rachel. Do you know what that does to somebody? She's losing her virginity. To a man. And it's completely deception going on. And she has to pretend that she's somebody else. Because if she was to come out and say, I think you're talking about my sister, that thing would have went crazy. Right? I need you to see the condition, though. Here's her having to be, for a moment, somebody that she's completely not. Just to satisfy whatever thing was going on with the father and with Jacob. And then in the morning, Jacob gets up ticked off. Not, hey, I thought you were so-and-so. Can I take you out to breakfast? Like, none of that. He's like, man, who is this? Get, where's Rachel? <laughs> and he says, I'll start, just give her to me. So he finishes that off. And the Bible says that God looked and seen that Leah was unloved. 
So he opened her womb. Some of the most productive people in the world are people that start from a posture of being unloved but live life with an open womb. They're fruitful in every other area because they beat what it meant to be unloved. Are you seeing this? Because this is very, very important. This is really important. So watch, continue, watch this. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. Because this is the thing, and I feel the Holy Spirit on this. Those of you that have been rejected, do not make the mistake of thinking you're not fruitful. God opened her womb. Why? Because to Jacob, especially in that day, it mattered to have legacy and kids. They wanted as many kids as they could possibly get. And we know that Jacob was going to, to be very significant in forming the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so kids was very important. He worked his butt off for a woman that was beauty on the outside but could not produce legacy. She was unfruitful. Oftentimes we run to what's pretty and not fruitful. And you you, you see, she was rejected. God said, no, no, no. I'm going to do something with that. She was rejected, but I see it. That's the beauty of this story is that God sees that she was unloved. And then he intervenes. Some of you have lived life so long from a posture of feeling unloved. You struggle with opening up to anybody because of the way a few relationships say was critical. It needed to go the right way. The wrong way, though. And now what's happening is you're hijacking every other opportunity. Nobody can get through your defense. They didn't just rob you of affection. They stopped you from growing. They stunted your growth, your maturity. They stunted your courage. Some of you are living with no courage. You do not want to confront anything because it may result in rejection again. And you don't know what you're going to do if you have to look at that one more time. Spirit of rejection is a major thing. Look at the last part here. This okay tonight? Because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. See, this is the scary thing about rejection is I will have you doing things. What you do and what you produce isn't meant to fix anything. That's the problem. When you are under the spirit of rejection, you think, That maybe if I can just do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, they'll accept me. They won't. They'll use you. 
they'll use you. Come on, guys. Listen to this. I, I feel this thing. They'll use you over and over and over and over again. You, you waiting for that dude to accept you or you waiting for that woman to accept you? Listen, they're not. They, you know why? They don't discern you. They don't discern you. Be very careful that you don't dive into relationships without discernment being present. You remember Avatar? I see you. I see you. What is that? They're saying, I discern you. I see you at a deeper place. It's not what you're wearing. It's not, it's not, it's not what you have. I discern you. There's something different about you. I see you. That takes spirituality. That takes relationship. That takes the Holy Spirit to discern somebody properly. This is amazing. Here, look at this last part. So she's having kids. Man, I hope he loves me now. Therefore, she, look at the last one. They go to verse 35. This is my key right here. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Look at this. Look at this son. Finally, she got it. It took a few. It took a few. But on this turn, she said, you know what, man? This ain't nothing about you. This time I'm going to praise the Lord. Why? Because she started to discern who actually loved her. But what was the name of the kid? Come on, somebody. Let's go over to Matthew 1 real quick. This is the boring stuff that we skip by in the Bible. This is the boring stuff. No one wants to read this, this archive of he begot, 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 begot. Look, look it. This is, this is where Jesus comes from. They always go from the lineage. I love how scripture don't introduce a new character without connecting it to where it comes from. I love how it doesn't give you a solution without telling you where it comes from. Why? Because where you come from matters. What God has brought you through matters. Come on, somebody. Every victory that you have, you need to archive it. You need to archive it. It's going to be strength to get you through the next season. Man. So watch this. Look at this here. This is the record. Go ahead and read for me. The record of the genealogy of Jesus. Of who? Who is Jesus? The Savior of the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Come on now. The Word was with God. Jesus is the one that reconciled the whole world to the Father. He is the solution to every problem we have. He is our peace when we don't have peace. He's our strength when we don't have strength. He's our comfort when we don't have comfort. He's Come on. He's our decision maker when we don't have clarity. He's God. This is God we're talking about. And this is where he comes from. Look at verse 2. And Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac, the father of, here we go. There's Jacob. And Jacob, the father of who? Who was Judah's mom? It was the one that was rejected. Jesus came from a lineage of people that was rejected. The answer, the solution to everything came out of a womb that was unloved at the moment. Quit determining your future by who's rejecting you. Quit expecting for people to discern you when they don't know who they are. (laughs) 
we got to quit assuming that people see us and then reject us. It don't happen that way. People are blind to who you really are. That rejection is coming from ignorance, not wisdom. It's not coming from knowledge. They don't realize the beauty that you are. They don't realize what God is doing. And they don't realize the part that you got to play in the plan of God. Whoo! You may feel unloved, but I'm telling you, it's through those people the lineage of Christ came. My God. My Lord. You may not like where things are going right now, but I'm telling you, free yourself from the Jacobs that will lay with you without any affection. Free yourself with the people that are in your life that do not discern who you are. Free yourself from the tyranny of rejection. Why? Because I'm telling you, you are accepted. The Bible says, study to show thyself a what? Come on, the more you study, the more you should be convinced you're approved. Come on now. That ain't just talking about knowing the Bible. The more you study, the more you should know you are approved. My God, the more you get into your word, the more you should come out saying, my God, I'm loved. My God, I'm accepted. I know I've had some flaws. I know I've had some failures. I've had some tough seasons. I've had some tough years. But I'm not unloved. I'm not unloved. I'm not rejected. Not by who matters. Not by who matters. There's no success story that has not endured rejection. None. If you study the word rejection, you know what industry comes up the most? Actors. I'm Googling, I'm looking at everything, man. Every quote, every quote's an actor. If you want to find out what rejection is, get into Hollywood and start acting. It's rejections. They'll land one big role. And then we're all like, who's this guy? Who's this woman? Right? They've been rejected 50 times. I was watching Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary last night. This big old joker, man. I said, man, I I thought he was always on top of the hill. He wasn't. He almost did not become the Arnold that we all know. I'll be back. That guy. (laughs) He almost didn't even get that role because he couldn't speak English. His first few movies, they had to actually use some sort of what it was essentially a computer talking for him. And the movies bombed. But he had such a persevering spirit. Sylvester Stallone hated him. And, and Stallone said, man, I hated him. And he, they said, why? He said, because he's so likable and he don't give up. <laughs> He said, I tried everything to do to stop his career. You can't stop what God has endorsed. You cannot do it. You better just get on my team because as long as I'm surrendered, we're going where God wants. And there's people waiting on you that don't care about what you've come through. You've got tools in your bag right now that you can use that you would have never had if you did not have to endure rejection. Some people don't know nothing about having to stay up at night and find peace when all hell's breaking loose. But you do. You do. You know how to find God when nobody, everybody's panicking. You do. You've learned how, like Jesus, when the storm is raging and they're out there, save us, don't you care for us? You're the type of person that knows how to go sleep in the boat. Why? Because in your world, there's no storm. Your world, you've been tested so much, you realize This ain't nothing. Rejection is growing you up. 
Rejection is maturing you. Rejection is pulling out of you the God identity. Come on, somebody. Just lift your hands. I want you to stand with me tonight. This okay? Any Leah's in the house? Any Leah's in this place? Come on now. You felt rejected. You felt unloved. I'm telling you right now, you serve a father that loves you unconditionally. You are loved. I know that we have went through some hell in our lives. I know that we've been rejected by our mothers, our fathers, people that were supposed to be there for us. They didn't, Listen, it's not their fault. A lot of times the pain just translates through generations. They didn't know how to be a dad because they wasn't fathered. They didn't know how to be a mother because they wasn't mothered. They have no clue what it means to, to raise anybody with unconditional love because they've never experienced it. Let them off the hook. Start with his acceptance for you. And then make them an assignment, not your enemy. Rejection always comes from ignorance. Ignorance.